Okay, good evening, everybody. It is so great to see your faces smiling at me in my living room here. Um, yeah, really thankful for this time. Thanks for taking the effort. I know it can be uh, tempting not to want to tune in and do another thing on your screen, especially if you started class this week and you've been doing a lot of these. So I, I really appreciate it, and I'm so encouraged by, uh, by our time together. And we are going to continue the series that we've been in this, this whole semester looking at the questions of Jesus. And today we're going to look at a parable in Luke 15 as the parable of the lost sheep, which you're probably familiar with, where Jesus asked this question. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And as always, like we've seen, we're going to see that this question reveals something about us and it invites us to something in him. So I'm going to read the passage and I think it's going to be shared on your screen, and um, then we will jump in from Luke 15, 1 to 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country, and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. And he gives it to us because he loves us. Let me pray and we'll jump in. Lord, I'm really grateful for uh, the chance to see each other on our screen. I'm really grateful for the ways that you are providing for us and meeting with us and communing with us uh, even tonight. And even though we are uh, apart, I pray that you would unite us in spirit tonight, that we would be one just like you and the Father are one. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be at work through your words so that we might know you and love you more. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We put up a 14-foot outdoor trampoline in our backyard yesterday. Uh, it was the, our gift to the girls in light of the statewide stay-at-home order that the governor issued. And I, with uh, some help from Ellie Kate and with some help from Ruthie, uh, put up this thing uh, all in the course of about three hours. And at one point, we had the frame set up and the jumping mat, that's the, the part you actually jump on, is laying on the ground in the middle of the frame. And it's sort of unfurled but it doesn't really have a shape and it's not attached to anything it's it's there but it has no direction or or purpose yet uh, as the coronavirus pandemic goes on this is how it feels sometimes like what's my direction where am i pointed all the firm things in my life my routine my friends my activities they're gone and now i feel like i'm not attached to, to anything or to anyone this, this is part of why it's so hard to pay attention to a lecture on Zoom today at 11 a.m. when you just woke up and you're still in your sweatpants at the kitchen table at your parents' house, right? So uh, I start attaching the, the jumping mat to the trampoline uh, to the frame, and the mat has these metal rings all around it. There's about 60 of them, and you take these 60 springs that have a hook on each end, and you attach one to the mat and the other to a notch in the frame. And the first one is, like, super easy, but as you attach more and more hooks, it gets really difficult because there's so much tension on the mat that to pull the hook four inches to the frame requires like all the strength that Ellicate uh, and I could muster. And so this mat gets stretched out flat and tight with pressure pulling it in every direction. And I also feel like this sometimes, 
I feel so tight because of all the different things pulling me in every direction. Like I'm supposed to be taking advantage of this slow pace of life, but I'm also supposed to be like creatively busting it to find my purpose in this new normal that isn't like having any normal in it. I'm supposed to be having the best quiet times in history because I have all this time, but I'm super scared and anxious because the news and social media are full of stories about how bad things are getting in certain parts of the country and how it's only a matter of time before it gets bad where I am. Maybe you're thinking you were so excited for classes to start so you could have some structure to your day, but then you realize that they didn't give you any structure and you've got this amorphous blob of readings and assignments and lectures to be done on your own schedule, but you don't have a schedule. And it turns out that doing school on a commuter is a drag. It's not fun. You're not motivated, right? Still dealing with the sadness of all the plans that won't happen, but so anxious that you haven't really had time to process. And then we also have this need of our friends so badly right now, but we don't really have the energy to pick up the phone and it can feel really dissatisfying to just see them in a tiny little screen instead of in person. And then also your mom is treating you like a 14-year-old and making you pick up your room, which you just dumped your whole college life into. And social distance is really stressful and you're supposed to take it really seriously, but you're not supposed to panic like the crazy people. And then there's this like legitimate fear of getting sick or of someone in our family getting sick. And then it's also family game night and you're really sick of Sellers of Catan and you can't play it another night in a row. If you're like me, this, this experience of feeling really loose and untethered and then the experience of feeling tight and pulled are both happening. And I can switch between them really quickly with no warning. And I'm starting to wonder how many weeks of this I can really handle. The Bible has a spiritual word for this experience of feeling either pulled tighter or feeling untethered and loose. And the Bible's word is lost. We feel lost. And so if you can relate to anything that I've been saying, if in some ways you're feeling lost, anxious, and scared and tight, or loose and shapeless and directionless, then there's good news for us tonight. Because tonight we're looking at a passage where Jesus talks about how he interacts with those who are lost. And he tells it with a parable, which is his favorite kind of story. Parables are where Jesus makes an analogy out of something very simple to teach us about something majestic and holy concerning the kingdom of God. This is a section of the Gospel of Luke where Jesus has been traveling town to town and teaching the people and healing the sick. And the setup for this parable is that, as often happens, Jesus is drawing the worst kind of sinners to himself. The worst kind of people just felt like being around Jesus, and so it's tax collectors and other sinners were read. And there's religious leaders there of the Jews, and they're talking about Jesus under their breath, and they can't believe that he would consort with these kinds of people. And so Jesus tells them this story, and he starts it with this, with this question. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And he's asking them something that they all know the answer to. Sheep are valuable. And even if you have a bunch of them, one sheep is worth pursuing. It's worth rescuing. It's worth rejoicing over. So I'm I'm always going to say that these questions reveal something about us. What Jesus is revealing is that who we are, this is you and me, fundamentally, are people who have been found by Christ. That we've been valued, that we've been pursued at great cost. That's his very life he given for us on the cross. We've been rescued and we are rejoiced over. And it can be really tempting when life is chaotic or, or difficult, when we feel untethered or when we feel 
pulled tight to live like lost sheep. Wandering, wander, wallowing in self-pity, festering in anger, indulging in desires. And I just want to remind you tonight that you're not lost. You're found. You're found because our Savior is the good shepherd who knows his sheep and who lays down his life for them. That Jesus is the great pursuer. He's like a shepherd on this quest in a harsh wilderness, determined not to return home until he's found his lost sheep. Jesus has pursued you, and Jesus continues to pursue you. He continues to grow you. He continues to convict you. He continues to encourage you. He continues to be at work in you and through you. He continues to abide in you and to be with you. So you may be feeling lost right now, but you are not. You are a found one. You are found. The questions of Jesus, they reveal something about us, and then they invite us to something in Him. This passage takes place within the context of this weird social tension and division in the room. There's people there who are seeing others, and they don't think that they're valuable. They don't think they're worthy of relationship, of service, and love. And Jesus is saying, yes, they are. And what Jesus is inviting us to is actually to participate with Him in His pursuit of other people. In the parable, what does he do when he finds his sheep? He shares the joy with everyone around him. He has a block party. And this is really at the very center of the Christian life. And I know we may, we may have some with us here tonight on our, on our call who aren't Christians, but when Jesus was asked what the most important thing in life is, what he says is this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love other people. And so his invitation to us as one, ones who have been found and pursued by his love is to participate in the thing that his kingdom is all about, which is pursuing and loving others. So my, my challenge for you tonight is this. Who, who are the relationships that you've let slip away since you've been home? Who are the friends who, when you were on campus, who, who needed you, who relied on you, who were struggling with something difficult? It's, it's really difficult to pursue people when we're stuck at home. We're, we're so bored that we're exhausted and we're so frustrated with the distance that it feels more annoying than anything else sometimes to talk on the phone. My encouragement tonight is just do it. To, to spend time praying about who God might be leading you to pursue with Him and to take action in creative ways this week, to plan a time to go on a walk with someone and catch up over the phone or to have a coffee date with them at your breakfast table or to write a letter with a word of encouragement. And then, of course, the other perhaps more difficult but more obvious people that God has put into our lives right now to pursue and to love are our families. So what would it look like to ask the question, how could I take advantage of this unexpected opportunity to love and pursue relationships with my parents and with my siblings? And I say those things knowing that there are friendships that we have that are complicated and that are draining and tiring to us, that are costly. And that there's family relationships we have that are complicated or draining or, or difficult. And, and I want to remind you that our model for pursuit is one who suffered death on behalf of those he loved. He has pursued us. Christ has pursued us so we can pursue one another. The easiest way to love and to pursue someone is it's not always the most obvious. It's to pray for them. And so uh, as, a, as a point of application, I want to challenge you to make a list of people in your life, family and friends, that you feel like God might be calling you to pursue, and then to build five minutes into your morning routine to pray for them. 
because they are also loved and pursued by God. And they're either someone who's worth pursuit because they are a found one in Christ or else they haven't been found yet. And, and maybe God will use even these weird times to show his love to them for the first time through your friendship. I, I pray that he will. That's my prayer tonight. Amen. Like we did last week, we're going we're gonna to try and practice this idea of loving and pursuing each other through prayer together. And so we're going to spend a few minutes praying together, and we're going to use the Lord's Prayer to do it. And so we've got students who are going to read the Lord's Prayer uh, one line at a time. And they're going to read a line, and then there's going to be a pause. And then you're going to have an opportunity to pray in light of the verse that has been read. So just to clarify, you are welcomed and encouraged to unmute yourself and to pray out loud each time the readers pause in light of the passage uh, and I would say, please do so, so that we can be encouraged by your prayers to God as we pray together. So Annie is going to start us praying the Lord's Prayer. And again, if they read each line, there will be a brief pause where you'll have a chance to unmute yourself and to pray out loud together. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 